use the force. Live long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between, to episode 64 of A Play on Nerds. And man, do we have a giant packed episode for you today. Holy crap. Huge. We're going sh- <laughs> to, I mean, really, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, thanks to Comic Con, we have a ton to talk about, and we're excited to talk about it with you folks. Right. This might go long, so hold on to your chairs, hold on to your butts. I hope you're wearing comfortable you pants. Do. If you need to go <laughs> pee, I guess d- do it during nerd news, I guess. Put on some depends, so you're just. You just go in your pants. Uh, that's good. Also, just get a sponge. Yeah, just sponge bath yourself down. That's for a right. While. Uh, but I'm Jarman, <laughs> and this is my co-host. I'm Steve. Steve. I'm the other guy. <laughs> so we're gonna jump right into things, so we don't go for three hours here. Uh, what have you been up to since that last podcast we did, sir? So um, I got a little bit sick. And I've been Ooh. nursing a cold for probably about a week and a half. Just sort of one of those long, drawn-out ones. Uh, but what really put it over the edge is Anne and I finally got two large IKEA items. So we could make room for the rest of the baby stuff. Nice. And to try to surprise her, uh, they got delivered on Saturday after she left for work. And she she did this whole thing. Well, I'll help you when I get home. But mind you, she's super <laughs> pregnant. So that's not... I'm just going to end up worrying about super pregnant wife helping me. So I decided I'm going to do both pieces by myself. Heck yes. Uh, so I'm a man and I do it. And I'm sweaty. And uh, then I rearranged all the furniture because we had been talking about that. And I was like, I'm already awful. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> so I went to bed just exhausted Saturday night and woke up Sunday and the cold had just taken over my life. Of course. It just moved in while I was weak. So good, <laughs> good for you, cold. Good strategy. Yeah. But uh, everything is rearranged. We have everything in the configuration we wanted for when the kid gets here. And uh, I now have a display p- case for all of my uh, nerdy stuff so the kid doesn't play with it. Beautiful. For my toys so the kid doesn't play with them. There's <laughs> a big difference between adult toys and kids' toys. And that's folks. right. Mine are collector's items. Yeah, they're not even sexual. They're just no, I mean, not in that. There's a different case for that. <laughs> it's a more private case. Of course. And then other than that, um, so I think at this point I've revealed on the show I work for Apple. That's happened mm-hmm. at some point. Well, uh, this week I almost made a complete fool out of myself in front of our CEO, Tim Cook. Oh, God, how? <laughs> so I was pushing a large and loaded up cart of stuff across campus. Big, heavy bastard. And I'm going through just the middle of campus, middle of the day, and I see a young guy kneeling down and he's got this big, nice camera out and he's snapping pictures. So we don't allow pictures inside of campus. It's just, you know, it's a secrecy thing. It limits liability. Um, And so I stop my cart and I'm about to turn and give him the, hey, you really can't be doing that speech. And then I realize what he's taking photos of. And that's Tim Cook, the CEO. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> coming out of the, of the primary building. And that's when I realize I'm in the middle of some sort of photo op. 
Oh, God. I am dead in the middle of some sort of photo <laughs> shoot that is going on with our CEO, and I've got a giant cart in the way. <laughs> and you're, like, blocking the camera? Yeah, a little bit. Um, oh, so I, like, hurry my butt up and kind of just push, push, push to get out. And as I'm probably five to six feet away from Tim, I say, sorry, bad timing on my part. And, of course, Tim, being the gracious Southern gentleman he is, said, oh, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, but <laughs> that, that the counts, first words he said to you? That counts as me having a conversation with Tim Cook. Wow. Is that the first time you've seen him in person, too? I mean, you know, you see him. Oh, okay. Like all the people that, that you guys see, like on the keynotes and make announcements, they're just around. They have That's offices. Neat. Yeah. Uh, but that was my first direct interaction with uh, Tim Cook. And I'm really glad I didn't scold his photographer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can't take pictures in here. Sir, there's absolutely no pictures inside of campus. I think he, he, he would have been proud of you. I really, to- I really hope he would. I, I hope right. he would. But at the same time, he may have like thrown a shoe at me. <laughs> <laughs> He's too nice for that. So, yeah, I got to meet the CEO. So that was- <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. He said words to you now. He did. We made eye contact and he chuckled. <laughs> what kind of hair do you have right now? Do you have a mohawk? Yeah, definitely have a mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And I was wearing, of course, my normal garb of T-shirt with a Hawaiian shirt over it, shorts, and my Crocs. That's what my, you've been wearing since middle school. <laughs> I didn't wear Crocs in middle school. I'm not even sure they True. existed in middle school. There wasn't any Crocs involved, but the rest of it hasn't changed. You wore Birkenstocks back then, I think. Burks or um, like rainbows, like the sandals. Right. Yeah. Hasn't changed much. No. And that's what I wear to work every day. <laughs> the dream can come true, people. That's, that's a great story, yeah. though. You met Tim Cook. So, so what have you been up to? Nothing that exciting or fun or <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I've just been working like crazy, uh, getting up like a regular person in the morning, doing a full day's work every day, and then going to the gym every single day. Because I'm going to Dragon Con in September, and I'm going to be a single man, and I want to cosplay, and I want to look good. So Damn right. for the second time in my life, I'm going to try to have abs again. So I'm working, put my, my my butt to the grindstone every day at the gym. And it's not fun. People are like, oh, once you start getting into it, you'll love it. Going to the gym and working out, eating healthy. It's great. It's, it's no, addictive. It's not. You, you it's just want to do it all the time. <laughs> it's hard work. It sucks. You're sweating. You feel disgusting. Uh, your muscles are always sore all the time because you're never letting them get a break. If there's one thing I our can't... listeners should know, it's that German and I both hate sweating. More than almost anything, we both hate sweating. It's so gross. (laughs) But also, just eating healthy is so boring and so unexciting. And yes, if you were uh, really wealthy and had a lot of time in your hands, you could make really great things that are healthy that actually taste good every day. But for someone like me who doesn't have a lot of income, I have to eat chicken breast and salad every day or fish and salad or mixed vegetables. And it's not fun. It's not fun at all. I've lost 15 pounds. But still, it's I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> I think you'll know that it's worth it once you just just hook up all over the place at Dragon Con. <laughs> I guess so. Because here's the thing. So you're already going to be in better, better physical condition than 85 percent of the attendees. That's possible. That, that might be that, you know, that might be a generalization. But I I went to New York Comic Con and yeah, 85 percent. You're going to be in a better shape. It's not far off. Yeah. But you don't want to be those unapproachable guys that like dress up as <laughs> Thor or the 300 guys. Right, right. You don't want to be one of those guys because they're not approachable. You want to be the guy who's better looking than everyone else, but not scary good looking. Or at least covers it up with a nerdy T-shirt or something. Right, right. You want to be in that in that realm. And that's when you get the ladies. <laughs> the approachable, but not ugly realm. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Yeah, I think it's, that's fair. That's yeah, that's, fair. that's where you want to be. You want to be in that like probably not higher than 95%, but not lower than 85%. <laughs> like in that 10, that 10% it's a sweet range. Spot. <laughs> it is. It's a sweet spot. I'm going to make that happen, man. Seriously. Uh, sweet spot. <laughs> but something along this schedule is that I usually finish a voiceover job or I finish um, a bunch of edit- audio editing and I take a small break and play a match of Overwatch or two matches of Overwatch. Because this game, the, about 10 minutes per match, usually, yeah. unless you play a competitive match, it's about 20 minutes. But I do that. And then I'm actually last night at, at the end of the night when there's no one else in my office suites, I can turn on my mic and join voice chat and be a goofball. So it's my kind of outlet. So I do a lot of funny voices or I'll do the voices of Soldier 76 and other characters in the game just to screw around. And people usually like it and they have fun with it. And so one guy's like, man, you're really good at those voices. Like, are you a voice actor for a living? And I said, actually, I am. He's like, well, that's crazy because my dad is actually um, dating a voice uh, casting director in San Francisco. <laughs> ah. And he's like, uh, send me a message and I'll, I'll shoot her, I'll shoot her an email with your name and your website. And I was like, sure. So. Through Overwatch, I made a voice acting job connection. Damn right. Just playing Overwatch on a on a whim. So see, go, mom, folks. it did pay off. Exactly. You were playing wrong. video games. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, little catch up there. That's what's going on with me. Well, good. I think that takes us into nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. So what do you got for us this week? There's been a lot of stuff going on. So I don't have a clever name this week, and I'm a little bit ashamed, but it's because the story I've found is just so good. So the name I came up with is Monkey Harem. <laughs> okay. So um, these researchers from Japan have been studying uh, bonobos in the wild. And um, what they found is that um, whereas most primates... They join together via family group. Most bonobos end up hanging out and, and grouping up with people they're not related to. The other bonobos mm-hmm. are not related to. Um, and what this forms is um, these little packs uh, of female bonobos get together when there's a male being a douchebag mm. and harassing a young female. These older bonobo women will get together and just beat the hell out of them. And then they take in the young the young bonobo female into their their group. Uh, so they thought this was really interesting and they fi- finally figured out why. It's because these older females want their male offspring to mate with young female bonobos. So they're protecting these these younger female bonobos, but only so that they will have sex with their sons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and bonobos are known for having lots of sex, right? That's oh, like they, trade it, they trade it as currency. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, that's just funny that, that what seems maybe a little bit like altruistic is actually just greedy and, and forming a harem. <laughs> it's so weird because I just heard a story on another podcast about this, um, some kind of Chinese village that was overrun with bonobos because they're uh-huh. populating so much. So they had to just leave, abandon their whole town. Man. Like houses are just empty now because there's just bonobos attacking everywhere. So it's, so it's like Planet of the Apes is what you're telling me. <laughs> Pretty much. Just they're like having sex on your rooftop and stuff. You know? And then I found a story that that interlaces both of us. Um, mm. So the Jim Henson Company has uh, partnered with another company called Narrativia. Um, and I'm hoping you know what this is to develop a, a movie version of We Free Men. No. Which is part of the Discworld. 
Oh, I've heard of the Discworld series of books. Yeah. See, series. I wasn't sure if you yeah. read or not. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and it looks weird. That's probably the best way to put it. It looks weird. So they're going to do like a kind of a live action with humans and puppets or? That is yet to be seen. Um, the main characters in the story appear to be humans, but who knows? Huh. Jim Henson hasn't really done like a third party movie like this in a really long time. So I'll be interested to see what the company does. Yeah. Any of their collaborations would be cool. Yeah. The last one I can think of is like Mirror Mask. And that was in 2004. Oh, that, was, that wasn't that great, actually. It was weird. Not a fan. <laughs> some people, <laughs> DVD, some people love that movie. Uh, it was weird. Oh, well. So, so Jim Henson stuff's still alive. Good. I'm still looking forward to uh, Julie's Green Room on Netflix, which I think I talked about. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it's a uh, show with Julie Andrews and puppets where she tells kids about uh, joining the performing arts. Right, right, right. That yeah. should be neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it, it turns into something. And just keep the future generations of kids knowing who the Muppets are. Just at least having Henson some company. idea. Just a, yeah. I don't need them to be involved. I just want, I don't want Muppets to go away. Absolutely not. So what do you bring us? In my nerdy news, uh, actually some stuff that came out of from Comic-Con, um, but fun stuff. Uh, one little thing was uh, in- Avengers of Infinity War, if I can say that word, Avengers Infinity, Infinity War. War. It was going to be part one and two, which I thought was a little little weird and they're they're gonna release it over over two years uh it's now gonna be a standalone film so it's just avengers infinity war and the next one after that is currently just avengers untitled for right now so they're kind of making that like probably a farther away sequel which i think makes more sense right i mean having all those actors casted over two movies maybe filming both at the same time it's just a monstrosity just you know clip it true and you have so many characters now that you can spread it out with other movies and really milk it yeah Exactly. Milk it, milk it, make smaller stories, that kind of thing. And other Marvel news, Kurt Russell was officially revealed to play Chris Pratt's father in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yep. Which I think is great casting. Um, Kurt Russell's awesome. And he's playing Ego the Living Planet. Whatever that means <laughs> from Marvel Comics. And if you see pictures of it from Marvel Comics, it's a giant planet with a face that talks. Good. Uh <laughs> But then they show they showed his costume at uh, at uh, Comic-Con. So he wears a regular human costume. He's in human form. So I don't know. Maybe he turns into a planet. I, I don't know how that works. Maybe some other Marvel geeks out there will know what that. Yeah, means. I read a little snippet that like someone said, you know, and they really do a good job explaining how a planet would have sex with a human woman. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe <laughs> I mean, maybe they do. Maybe that's I guess that could be legit. That's a thing someone can do is. uh make a good explanation for that sure <laughs> yeah so that'll be the true test of this movie is if if how they get it on makes sense yeah so uh, i'm excited about it i mean but i'm excited about all the movies that they announce which we'll be talking about later in our giant trailer review section it's going to be giant the trailer reviews this week huge <laughs> thanks liam neeson <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i'm going to find you and I'm going to be your friend, your I'm monster a, friend. I'm a monster. And I will kill you. A um, monster friend. But for the main segment, we're going to talk about three things that we both saw that I don't know whether we liked or not, but that's why we're going to discuss it. That's right. Stranger Things, Ghostbusters, and Star Trek Beyond.
So let's start with Ghostbusters. All right. Let's jump right. right into it. So you just saw, what, a week ago? Uh, Yeah, something like that. Okay. Ann and I went at opening weekend. Did you see it in 3D? I did not. Okay. What did you think? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I I chuckled to myself a few times. I think it was more kid-friendly than the first ones. That's accurate. I feel like it was more for like a family than just, you know, the originals were more 80s kind of romps that had a lot of adult jokes and humor in them that kids would not get. Like Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Like they, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be in this one, this version. But I, I, I listened to a lot of reviews and read a lot of reviews about this movie, and I get a lot of the criticisms. But I guess we can talk about the good things first, maybe. Yeah, so I got um, the good things first. Um, sure. So the, uh, honestly, good things. Um, the two best characters in the entire movie were Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. I believe that's true. That they were both the most well-rounded, the most well-drawn, um, and the most, despite Holtzman being ridiculous, the most real characters there. Uh, in that way, I feel like Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy really kind of fell flat in their roles. Yeah, and actually, that has to, that's part of the criticism I'll have to jump into now, because it's exactly the same point, is that their characters are barely any different. Kate, Mc, I mean, um, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig's characters, like, almost the same person. They were just boring they didn't have anything to make them unique yeah except for the context of their characters like one wanted to stay out of paranormal one didn't but they're like the same character and they right. weren't interesting and then um who was what's his name chris uh chris uh, hemsworth chris hemsworth while a little overdone at times also did a really good job i love that that was hilarious <laughs> there were there were a few times where the joke felt really forced True. but that being said he had the funniest moments um, you know, like, hey, I'm about to go to an audition. Which one of these photos make me look more like a doctor? Me playing saxophone or me listening to saxophone? And it's literally <laughs> a picture of him shirtless playing a saxophone and a picture of him with his ear up to a saxophone. <laughs> like, just that moment was one of my favorite moments of the entire movie. Oh, I love I laughed out loud for the moment where she says, hey, uh, can you answer the phone? Can you answer the phone? He's like, oh, I can't do that. It's, it's in the aquarium. No, the one right in front of you. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I love that. That is really funny. Another one of my <laughs> at the end uh, when you know the main villain has been resolved, and they're like, "Kevin, where did you go?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I went. I went looking for you. I went looking for you over in that deli. Got a sandwich." <laughs> and she, and she takes it. She and throws it, it away. And he goes, "A little bit of help," and someone throws the sandwich back to him. <laughs> like <laughs> that, and the fact that he thought that he was the one that made it happen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I went over that power box, flipped some switches, and then the sky went red, and uh, all the ghosts went away. So, good job, team. <laughs> oh, Kevin, those are unrelated things. <laughs> and I thought that, like, they kind of undermined the, um, like, I thought his character was great, but they didn't have to have the Kristen wig hanging on him all the time. Because, I don't know, it, I would have preferred if, like, maybe one of them even was flirting with him or hitting on him, but not in a desperate way, like a, in a Bill Murray kind of way. You know, if, Yeah. Like, like maybe Melissa McCarthy could have like hit on him in a very overconfident Bill Murray type of style. And that would have been more of an equivalent as opposed to Kristen Wiig desperately like throwing herself at him, which I thought was unnecessary and kind of out of character. I don't know. I think that what they 
at least my hope is that they felt that it would be ridiculous to ignore the fact that he's a very good looking man. They just probably didn't approach it the right way. Yeah, but it was close. I I liked it. I thought he was that character was great. All right. So (laughs) I think we're going to get into some spoilers here because I want to talk about some of the problems I had with this movie. Right, there's giant spoiler alert for this entire section. So yeah, moving forward, just expect spoilers for any of these things. Absolutely. Um, so I am so sorry to say this. I think Paul Fig, the director, fucked this movie up. Uh, cool. In what way? Screwed it up real bad. Um, so the comedy lives in the wide shot and the reactions between characters that really grow a character. And the first half of the movie was nothing but close-up individual shots. Yeah, and also I could sense what you're saying too with the awkward cuts to people saying a comedic line. It's like it the editing was almost bad. Like it would cut to Leslie Jones to say her full joke. Right, and, and, like, it, and it was only Leslie Jones. There was no one else in the frame. And then they right. would cut back to one other person reacting to that. And it just didn't, because of that, the entire cast felt detached. Like, I understand what all the critics were saying about there being no chemistry. Yeah. Because I feel like they didn't have an opportunity to have chemistry on set together. And there was, yeah, I think it's a big part of the editing was the problem. Like, they probably had wide shots and two shots and stuff like that. Yeah. But then they just did awkward cuts. Like, they'd cut to Leslie Jones early. So, you're like, okay, she's about to tell a joke. She tells a joke. And like it didn't land because the editing was so awkward. So yeah. I, I could, that happened a lot of times. We actually saw that. It happen. got yeah. better the second half of the movie. But the first half, when you really want to start to get to know the characters, just sucked. Yeah. Um, there was some writing issues. And I, I know that Paul Fig was, I think, a half co-writer on this, remember correctly? Right. There's like yeah. a co-writer. Um, was another co-writer. They fucked up. So the two things I can think of, the Swiss Army knife that Kristen Wiig ends up popping the, st- uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man with came in way too late like it just felt too forced it felt forced like when when we're you know two-thirds of the way through the movie and kate mckinnon says oh here's a swiss army knife and every lady should have one i went come on like they're obviously going to use that soon right it's obviously going to like but that should have been if they wanted to do that that should have been the first thing that she gave her right at right after they or when they were going into their first encounter right and the big problem a lot of people had was the Holtzman kept making new equipment out of nowhere within a couple hours. She had made all new equipment within like two hours. Like she had no time to do that. <laughs> she did it like three times. Yeah. Um, and then my other, the same sort of idea where they just should have introduced it earlier was the, um, the nuclear device on top of the, their car. True. That ends up being what saves them. It's like maybe you mentioned that. They mentioned the film. that <laughs> 10 minutes before it was used. Yeah. Versus the brilliance of the original one is in their first encounter, there came up the don't cross the streams. Right. And then that ended up being the thing that saved them, as opposed to 10 minutes earlier, we mentioned there's a nuclear device on top of our car. (laughs) So be careful. Like, come on. Be better writers than that. Yeah, I feel like they could have just had like maybe a few more months of script revision of this film. It made it a little tighter. And then here is here was my big bugaboo. And it seemed like a very missed opportunity on behalf of the writers. So um, probably about halfway through the film, all the the female characters sitting around and they go, Abby, why are you so into this? Why did you see a ghost once? She goes, yeah, actually, I did see a ghost once. And then she goes in this really dramatic story about when she was seven, her next door neighbor dying. 
Um, and then coming and standing at the foot of her bed every night for a year and her going to therapy and then how her friend was the only one that believed her. That should have been the opening scene of the film. Oh, like showing that flashback? Not even showing the flashback. Had that be, it didn't have to be a flashback. That's the opening scene of the film. She goes to school and then you get to watch them build this relationship. And it doesn't have to be a long scene. Two to three minutes. That kind of establishes their characters a lot better. Yeah. Right. And then 20 years later, and then we're, we're where they are. Yeah. That would be like, great. But they missed, they just missed that opportunity. Instead of showing us the relationship, they told us about it and they failed. And they need a few more scenes to really differentiate between um, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy's characters, like make them yes. types. Because everyone in the original Ghostbusters was a was very unique from the other person next to them. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. They were all very different from each other. And this one is just didn't quite happen. So yeah. but as uh, more and more movies come out with all female leads or mostly female casts, I think they'll just become more comfortable writers and directors and the actresses themselves in becoming different types because they've been forced into such one type for so long or two or three different kinds of female characters you can play that it's almost probably hard for writers to now just realize, Oh, they can be anybody because they're human beings, you know? So I think they're still figuring that out and working that out. And it's going to be even better. Wait, wait, in the wait, future. wait, chicks are people. What? Hold on. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, there were some great moments and, and I did overall enjoy the film. Uh, but I feel, I feel like, like Paul Fig really screwed up and I really trusted him with this movie. So that hurts me even more. Uh, but let, let's just talk about one more really good thing that I thought really yeah. worked out was the villain. I don't even know his name. Yeah, I think they could have done a couple more scenes, but I think he was good. I thought he was good. You knew he was creepy. You could see that he was conv- he you know had conviction about what he was doing. That creepy mantra was it charge the lines, open the vortex, break the barrier. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that really took you through his plan and really for, you know, foretold what was going to happen without you really realizing it. I mean, I think they've had that same problem of the villain not being that interesting or that deep because he really wasn't. Um, But I guess the main focus of the movie isn't really him. It's about them and just ghosts in general. But the scenes he was in were good, I thought. Yeah. Um, So let's talk. Let's talk cameos. What did you think about the original camp? The original cast member cameos? Uh, I thought they were good, but I agree with some people that are saying that Bill Murray was just like phoning it in. He didn't really want to be there. Bill Murray's was the worst one. Yeah. I love Dan Aykroyd's quick one. I need to go to Chinatown. Uh, it's like a block further south than I want to go because that's how cabbies in New York are legitimately <laughs> yeah. like that's legit. Uh, that just far. some class Sorry. five vapors. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I thought that was good. Yeah, it was fitting for Dan Aykroyd as a person because he's really into paranormal. So it's cool that he got to know a little bit more about it. I hated that. That I knew that Ernie Hudson was going to be Leslie Jones uncle. I didn't even think about it, actually. And I, in retrospect, I should have, but I didn't even think about it until he popped up at the end. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it became very clear in my head. So she's like, my, my uncle can loan us a car. And then after Kate McKinnon changed it, she's like, oh, my uncle's going to be pissed. After I heard the uncle reference the second time. Right. I was like, that's got to be Ernie Hudson. It just has to be. But it was a good cameo. It made um, sense. And I thought the best cameo in the entire movie was Harold Ramis. As a bust. <laughs> yeah, that a bust in the in was it the Egon something Memorial Hall. Like, I thought that. 
that was really fitting and, and a really good way to approach that. I only heard about it afterwards because I didn't notice it when the movie. Oh, really? Man. Yeah. Didn't even notice it. What a jerk. I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> um, but overall, I, I, oh, I enjoyed it. Any what? Any pots and Sigourney Weaver. Oh, Sigourney Weaver's was strange. It was odd. It, it wasn't written very well. It felt kind of tacked on. It was. Well, it was tacked on. It was well, a post-credit I mean, scene that didn't have yes. to exist. Um, <laughs> and then Annie Potts, I thought hers was the best one in the whole film. Yeah, she was great. It's like, yeah, it's Janine quit the Ghostbusters and this is where she ended up. She still just is a sarcastic and yeah, she Have you before. tried opening the window? <laughs> well, I'm sorry that there is a draft in your room. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought hers was the most successful and sad. There was no Rick Moranis. He didn't yeah. come out of retirement to do a cameo. No, but he, he said that they approached yeah. him and he said that, that he wants to come back to acting, but he did not want his first thing to be a cameo from a movie he was in 30 years ago, <laughs> which makes sense. It's just right. kind of sad for fans. We'll see him back. That being said, I don't think this is going to get a sequel. They haven't even come close to making back their budget. Really? Yeah. What about abroad though? Not even abroad. Because that's what a lot they, of movies are getting like $112 million budget, $122 million, and they're only at like $78 million. Oh, I don't believe that. Yeah. I'm looking that up right now. All right. Look it up. Box office mojo. Ghostbusters. Uh, domestic total, $99 million. Uh, let's look at worldwide. It's made $135 million. Okay, well, it's doing better because its first week was not good at all. That's not very high, though. That's not its production budget was 144. So you're right. It has not yet made back its production budget. Yeah. Mind you, it will, but it's not going to make the kind of money that a studio would want to make on something like that. No, I think you're right. This probably won't get a sequel because sequels can be dependent on um, worldwide gross now because of China and all those markets that have opened up. But it's not even making money over there. So you're right. Yep. Enjoy. Let, let's move on to a better movie to talk about. Star Trek Beyond. I love this movie. I, I also very much enjoyed it. I think that they took the criticism of the last film and really took it to heart in that this was much more Star Trekky than an action film. Absolutely. And yeah. I think they, they really did well with that. And I, the big thing, too, that they always say is quit trying to destroy the universe or destroy Earth in every movie. Make the stakes a little smaller. Make it a little more interesting about the characters and a little focused, and it'll be better. And it was. It was all those things. It wasn't about the whole universe exploding. I mean, this guy was dangerous to the universe, but they stopped him and it was about the characters and it was great yeah and i loved um just that i feel like for the first time in any of these star trek films is that you get you really got to see that there are other people on these ships that aren't the captain and the immediate high up crew oh absolutely they had, and they had so many um callbacks in our fan service type of moments like when he gets first of all his captain's log was better than any other films have done so far the new reboot films anyways but then also when he dresses the ship um it just cuts to her uh, clicking her little buttons to talk to the whole ship and then he talks to the whole ship and they do this shot where they show 
uh, everyone walking in the hallways of the ship and then stopping and looking upwards towards the intercom. And they did that so many times in the original series. <laughs> it was a silly little shot that doesn't no one would do that in a modern day movie because it looks silly. Like, oh, everyone stops in the hallway and looks up to listen. Why would you look at the intercom? You know, It's like you don't need to. But it was right from the, the show. And I think having Simon Pegg being co-writer on this really helped because he's funny and he loves Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and I think sort of the prime example I can think of of them making it more Star Trekky than an action film is uh, at one point they've got to break into like the prison camp and free everybody. And they say, we need a distraction. And I immediately thought they're going to blow something up. Right. Or go in there and they're just start Michael Bay shooting it. up guys <laughs> and cause a distraction. But no, he wrote it on a motorcycle that put up this goofy wall thing with a bunch of different hologram hymns. It was a smart move, not a blow up move. Right, right, right. And it worked. It was fun to watch. Like it was visually very neat to watch the the, the hologram thing happen. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was the smart way to do it. And I really appreciated that because I was I had low expectations going into that scene. I had low expectations going to this movie. I wasn't gonna expect anything. I mean, it was directed by a fast and the furious guy. And I was like, they're going to go the opposite direction we want them to go. And they're going to have even more action and explosions. But then they didn't. I was very surprised. And the only thing I really felt was tenuous um, was the final confrontation with Kirk and the bad guy, whose name I can't remember. Idris Elba. Crawl. Crawl. Was like, he has to get this thing to this one specific room before the air cycles and and I was like, wait, hold on. This this doesn't feel right. This feels really forced. <laughs> it wasn't the best uh, final set piece. I mean, it was kind of neat. The whole riding the, the, the air currents. Yeah. And, and the gravity shift thing. That was a great idea. Running up. Yeah, that was a cool idea. Um, but I just felt the whole like he has to get it to this one room and then unleash it. And then that room will go through. So I was like, nah, that's that's not a thing. And I think I would have been, I, I just, me personally, would have liked it if he was full on Idris Elba by the end. Like, I, I wanted to see his face. I don't know. Yeah. Because he was still almost there, but it was like weird, like walrus man at that point. Yeah. So, I also yeah. thought the, the whole, they found a way to drain life out of other people and become space vampires. Like, I thought that was really. They didn't explain that very well. A weird, exactly. It was just a weird choice. It was a weird vehicle to use. Yeah, it was odd. Like, I mean, they could have done that a little more simply or maybe had one scene ex- explaining it. Maybe they did and cut it out. Um, but either way, it was just like, what? I'm okay. Yeah, why does that technology? <laughs> why have we not heard of that anywhere else ever in the Star Trek universe? Yeah, that's pretty profound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I listened to some other podcasts who had a lot of problems with him um, and the timeline and all that jazz because he I was so excited because he mentions that he's a soldier from the Zindi Wars and that's from Star Trek Enterprise with Scott Bakula <laughs> and Zindi Wars are not mentioned anywhere in the shows before those, which everyone was upset about because they made up this war that was supposed to have happened in the past before the original series. But yet it's not mentioned anywhere in Next Generation or Voyager Deep Space Nine. Hmm. And so if this is the first time in any kind of canon that a character has said mentioned the Zindi Wars since there. But people were like, oh, well, he couldn't have been alive. And then or that that ship is it shouldn't be the first ship that's, you know, a warp four ship and that all these little details. But I actually went in and found that all those can still work. And those people don't know what they're talking about. So 
It, it does work. Trust me, folks. So you I used your nerdery to prove the other nerds wrong. Right. Just making sure. <laughs> I've seen every single episode of Star Trek and the animated series, and I've read the comics. I've read some of the books. I've played the you games. Don't, you don't fuck with this guy. I don't mess around. Okay? That's right. <laughs> and I know I've listened to hundreds upon hundreds of hours of Star Trek podcasts. I know those details like the back of my hand, and they actually did adhere to everything in a, in a way that makes sense if you just pay enough close attention. That's right. So. Jarman goes hard to the paint. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> but I was very excited about that because he it fits in. And that ship that he was in, the Franklin, mm-hmm. it looks just like the era from the Scott Bakula Enterprise era. So that was pretty cool. Um, Didn't make a lot of sense, but it was cool. No. <laughs> uh, all right. So now let's talk about something that isn't a movie, but that I loved more than either of the two things we just talked about. Wait, before we move on, oh, uh, no. we should say for Ghostbusters and for Star Trek Beyond, uh, what kind of rating would you give it? Maybe out of five. Um, Ghostbusters, I'm going to go ahead and give three and a half. Okay. And Star Trek, I'll give a solid four. Uh, I will give, damn, I think the same thing. Yeah. 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 Weird. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So what are we going on to next? But this next one gets a solid five stars from me. And that is Stranger Things, a new Netflix original. I think it's eight parts. That is absolutely spectacular. I think they made a deal with the devil when they made this and they're like, we yeah. want to make the perfect television show that everyone will talk about and there's nothing wrong with it. And then they did it <laughs> and it will shoot immediately to the top, like to number 26 on IMDb's 250 of all time. Right. And I had heard nothing about this show before it came out. Nothing. I had seen one or two vague trailers like teasers and that was it. Wow. Even more than I even saw. So it's about a, spoilers once again. Spoilers. Sorry. Um, it's about a government lab, a psychic child, a tear in, in the universe, a monster, a bunch of kids, a la characters from the Goonies, um, a, a missing child, a, a drunk cop with problems, a, a broken single mother trying to find her. Like it has somehow has everything mm-hmm. and still works in eight episodes. In eight episodes, you would think that the the plot would be so thick and convoluted that it wouldn't make sense, but it is great. It's a great eight hour movie. It really is. (laughs) Um, And honestly, the one thing I will say and that struck me about this show over and over again is it is the most realistic portrayal of 11 year old boys on film ever. Absolutely. Like I I was in in that room with them. The way they make fun of each other. The way they go after each other, the way they relate was so natural that it really just sucked you in. And, and especially nerdy kids, because that, that was what you and me were 
when we were right. It age. opens with them playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right. We were doing. We didn't have Dungeons and Dragons. Well, we weren't doing Dungeons and Dragons back then. But right, that was us playing Halo or something. Or right, exactly. NBA Jam or <laughs> you know bullies at school. Um, their friend goes missing, and they go out on a search to find him and find something even bigger. And I thought it was so funny that we had just reviewed Drive the movie. Because it had the same kind of 80s synth pop music that this true. has. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. this, though. <laughs> well, it was actually in the 80s, so it kind of fit. That's true. Um, and they also played songs from the 80s, which is they always were put in perfectly, peppered in. It, I, I don't even know where to start with this. It's so good. Well, you have the character, these little, uh, all the 11-year-old boys, there's three of the main ones that are searching for their fourth friend who's trapped in this other dimension, the, the shadow world, the under, was it the upside down place? The Upside Down. And then the fourth is an actress who actually was from Orlando originally. The actress uh, who plays Eleven. She's the ex- girl that's been experimented on. And what you find out is that it was during during the 70s, during all those uh, trials with LSD they did with the government, which actually really did happen. Uh, she's, apparently a woman was pregnant while she was doing these LSD trials. And so her child is the one that came out with the actual mental powers that they were trying to achieve. And so they send her off to do a remote viewing sessions um, of the Russians in the, during the Cold War. And what she doesn't know is while she's in this weird remote viewing world, she's in the same world as this creature that starts hunting her down and hunting everyone else down when it tries to escape from its reality into ours. And this sounds so crazy describing it, but the show makes it work. <laughs> yeah. And um, the whole idea is that in that moment, she her psychic powers sort of explode because she panics and she creates a a semi-permanent door. Like a tear, yeah. A tear between our world and the upside down. And it starts abducting people into that world and eating them, killing them, doing whatever it wants to with them. Right. Um, And this kid gets pulled into this world and successfully hides from this monster in this other world while the other people are trying to figure out how to get to him. And Winona Ryder is, I think... Although sometimes to the point of annoyance of how like the desperate she is and just frazzled, um, I didn't realize it was her until like the second episode. I'm like, holy crap, that's Winona Ryder because she's yeah. like jumped into that character head first. Yeah, I really hope this is this is the rebirth of her career because playing Spock's mom certainly was not. Yeah, because she's she shoplifted a couple of times. Who cares? <laughs> but that was the big thing. We mentioned Melinda and Melinda. They were going to put her in that movie as well. Then her big thing is that they wouldn't hire her because her insurance is too high because they're shoplifting. Yeah. She's she's not going to shoplift anymore. Just give no. her jobs. I mean, and honestly, it's – and I was talking about this with the Robert Downey Jr. too is in that same boat. That I'm like mad at actors like that who didn't – actors I like who denied me a decade of their career. Right. Because they fucked up. And meanwhile, they're giving jobs to people like um, uh, Bron- Branson. Bronson? What's his name? Uh, the guy played W. It was oh, in, Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin, who's been convicted of beating his girlfriends and wives They give him jobs all the time. But all Winona Ryder did was steal some shit. So, I mean, give her a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she does a great job as the, the mother of the missing boy. There is a great um, drunk, broken sheriff who's right. on the case. And he makes um, his mission to get find this missing child because he lost his daughter so long ago. It looks like cancer. Um, so he's um, like hooked onto it. And in fact, that is my only critique of this entire thing Mm -hmm. is in the last episode, the um, the whole the the echoes of him with his daughter and them trying to save this this boy. It felt forced 
in some ways because they didn't develop him enough. I didn't feel that, but I see what you mean. But I, I felt like but they, that, that is literally did. like the only critique I can find for pretty much this whole show is that that one part of the last episode felt a little weird. Right. Whereas and I felt like it. that was, I didn't really notice that, but I can see why you would say that though. But yeah, otherwise it's just like such a perfectly crafted I, show. Yeah. I hate using the word perfect, but it's, it's pretty damn close. And that girl plays 11. She's just amazing. She's going places. She did a great job and she's done, not say she's done nothing before this, but very limited resume. Yeah. She's very young. But just to pull that emotion that she did when she was so young, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But special effects were, you know, they'd done very well because they're minimal. They're not like overdoing anything. And so it's just overall, just watch it. It's only eight episodes. Stop yeah, watching it. NCIS it, and watch it's this. It's so good. <laughs> check it out. Stranger Things. I think I wrote about it and then Jarman wrote about it. Yeah. Just I don't to try to, much. <laughs> yeah. Just to try to get people to see it because no one knows about it. And it is just spectacular. Just amazing. I think it should be on Netflix worldwide. So it should it. be. Yeah, it's Netflix original. I can't see any reason it wouldn't be. Yeah. But yeah. So in, in fact, Stranger Things, we're going to keep. I'm not going to go into anything else because I don't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, there's more I to hope see. That you watch this and, and there's much more to it than what we just explained. Absolutely. But five stars, five stars. If there five was stars. six, six stars, <laughs> six I'm going to steal one of the stars that Ghostbusters should have had and just pop it onto this one. There you go. Six stars. So go see Star Trek Beyond now. Watch Stranger Things right now and go rent Ghostbusters in a couple months. That's right. There you go. Yeah. So now we're going to do an extended trailer reviews. Because man, the, there are a lot. This past week was uh, was San Diego Comic Con, largest Comic Con in the U.S., and uh, there are always so many exclusive trailers and goodies that come out during it that there is so much for us to talk about. It's insane. Here to play on nerds, we have developed an interesting rating system to bring to you our ideas on the trailers we're about to review. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. Kill it with fire. <laughs> and our next step is Drunk Watch, which means that, yeah, I'd watch this movie. It'd be entertaining if I was under the influence of some kind of substance of some kind. But if I was sober, probably not going to check this thing out. No, nope, not going to see it. Next, we've got We'll See, which is maybe we just don't know enough about this movie to tell what the hell it's going to be. Could be good. Could be bad. Not sure. Eh. And our next category would be Get the Couch Ready, which means I'm definitely going to check this movie out at home. Wouldn't necessarily pay the big bucks of seeing it in theaters, but I'm definitely going to watch it at home. So get that couch ready. After that, we have Take a Look, where we are recommending for you, our viewers and listeners, to check out this movie and check out the trailer and tell us what you think about it. We, we wanted to see what you guys think. It looks pretty good, but we're not quite sure yet. Yeah, take a look. Yeah. Let us know. And for our final and best category, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut up and take my money. This looks so awesome. We're going to see it. That's where we cannot wait to give Hollywood bigwigs all of the money that we have earned at work to go see a film for $47. We're so excited. We just have to go see it. We, have, we don't have a choice. And that is our A Play on Nerds official copyrighted trademark system for rating our movie trailers. So let's uh, get one on the way that I'm, I think is... Uh, we've already had one trailer of this before, but Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah, the new extended trailer for Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, 
You think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. Through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality. We travel great distances in an instant. How do I get from here to there? How did you become a doctor? Study and practice years of it. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? Be careful which path you travel down, Strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. I am death. In pain. You'll die protecting this world. I can't do this. There is no other way. I've spent so many years hearing through time. Looking for you. Uh, what's this, my mantra? It's the Wi-Fi password. We're not savages. It still looks really cool. Yeah. Looks very different. A little darker than most of the uh, Marvel movies, perhaps. It also looks a little bit more um, non-sciencey, mystical. Right. Yeah, mystical is probably the word I'm looking for. And they think that uh, he has one of the Infinity Stones, the Time Stone, and that's why he's able to do the stuff he does, which makes it somewhat based somehow in science or cosmically, but it's still basically magic. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I like all the other Avenger films and stuff. They try to, they attempt to scientifically explain what's going on versus in this one. It's like, no, you're a magician. <laughs> there might be an explanation for, it, but we don't know it. Put on this magic cape and walk through dimensions. Like it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. He was like the first character to be introduced that way in the comics of uh, this completely mystic stuff. And that's what other, he can, that's why he's so much so powerful because he can control so much. Uh, so they only bring them um, out when they have to. But yeah, I thought that they showed some really cool visual effects and gave us an idea of what we can expect through the film that we didn't really get a chance to see before. Uh, you got to see a little bit more of God for God, forgive me pronouncing this name. Shawedal Aja <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Mods Mickelson. Yeah. Mods um, Mickelson. And, and sort of the, the, I don't know, roles they play or will be playing. Um, I just thought it gave us a much better idea of the tone of the film, and it, and it makes me that much more excited for it. Yeah, I think it looks great. And I'm still unsettling to hear Benedict Cumberbatch speak with an American accent, but I'll get through it. I just like him because he looks like a lizard. <laughs> He's like an otter. Yeah, a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. Check it out. Tell us what you think he looks like, Internet. So, yeah, definitely shove and take my money. I think all of these are shove and take my money, but we'll see. And then there's one that might not be. That's true. Um, and let's talk about that one now. King Arthur. <laughs> tell me story. Tell me every detail. I woke up. From where? From a nightmare. What was it about? Then. Then. 
Me and the lads took care of a bit of business. Hold up, hold up, back up. You've left something out. Are you writing a book? They all lived happily ever after. No, they didn't ever. Because for the first time, there's something you don't know. Something nobody told you. You wanted a prophecy. This is your prophecy. Young man came from hunting, faint and weary. I know what kind of a man you are. What is that, my lord, my dearie? I know your story. Behold! The man who pulled sword from stone! I'm not getting drawn into this mess. There's an army of you. There's only one of me. I'll talk. I'm happy to talk. But there is no way that I am fighting. So what happens now? You know what happens now. You're quickly becoming a legend. It looks like a cool take. It's Guy Ritchie, which is a little bit nuts. Well, that's what I was watching the trailer. I'm like, okay, another freaking King Arthur movie. Why, Steven, you want to watch this? But then when it says Guy Ritchie, I'm like, okay, I'll keep watching because he did Snatch and Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels and other movies. Right, he does really real movies. He does a lot of just quippy character development. Yeah. And clear roles that I really appreciate that don't happen in a lot of movies anymore. Fast paced um, and funny and exciting. That being said, even from watching this trailer, which actually was a fairly long trailer um, yeah. for a first trailer, I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not I, sure I what just, the, I don't the get take it. is. Like, where are they going with it? Why should I care about this versus the other 12 King Arthur movies that have been made? But it's got uh, a couple of Game of Thrones actors, including Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got Jude Law, I think, playing Merlin. I'm not sure. It appeared, it appeared to be merlin he had a fireball at one point <laughs> yeah because he's dressed like a king throughout but yeah and then he had some sort of magical power so that was yeah. weird not, yeah so i'm not sure what's going on here um i like the main guy whose name i can't remember it's not garrett headland is it let's see <laughs> we're so good at this his name is charlie hunan hunan right because I love Pacific Rim, so like, right. I like him because I love Pacific Rim. And he's also in that uh, Sons of Anarchy show, isn't he? Maybe. Yeah, he is. I just looked at uh, it. And he's also in a really great movie with Elijah Wood called Green Street Hooligans, which you should check out. I have not seen that. It kind of flew under the radar a couple of years ago, but it's very, by a couple of years ago, I mean a decade ago. Um, and the full name of this movie is King Arthur Legend of the Sword. That's right. 2017 release. I'd say take a look. Yeah, take a look. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but it certainly looks at least somewhat promising. Yes. All right, you pick next. All right, so before we jump into the DC universe, let's go to Kong Skull Island. It's a survey job. Just chopper them in and out. Be a joyride. You are going to tell me everything I don't know or I'm going to blow your head off. This planet doesn't belong to us. Ancient species owned this Earth long before mankind. 
I've spent 30 years trying to prove the truth. Monsters exist. You don't go into someone's house unless you're picking a fight. What you're looking at is a monster from some bygone era. It's time to show that man is dead. Yet another take on King Kong. Uh, it appears to take place in like the Vietnam War era. I was thinking modern or Korea. Time. I think really? it's modern, it looked like modern times to me. It's just the helicopters and stuff they used look dated. Right. I mean, it's hard to tell exactly, but I think it's modern times. But either way, because that's what my art argument was for thinking this is okay that they're doing this again, is because the last modern era Kong movie we had was in the seventies with Jeff Bridges. And it was set in modern day, but it was made 1976 or something. Um, so the next one we had was Peter Jackson's, which he set like the 1920s or 1940s, one of those yeah. eras. So this is the first time we'll have one set in our era. If it is set in our era, like you said, it might be something else. But I think it is set in our era because they were talking about making a, a universe of monsters with like King Kong and Godzilla being in the same universe. Well, that's what this reset is for, actually. Right. So, I mean, that means they should be playing this off the other Godzilla movie that's already around, which was set during modern times. Right. But that being said, in that movie, they show that Godzilla has been around since the 50s. They did? Yeah. I remember all that old war footage, and that's why they tested all those nuclear bombs. Right. But the world didn't know about it, though. Right. Right. But the world didn't know about Kong either. So, you're right. So, maybe this is, takes place in the 70s, and the next one will be Kong something else set in modern day. So, yeah, you're so that's that's why they're hitting the reset button on this is because they had there there will be a Kong versus Godzilla film, which is crazy. And they of. had to make Kong big enough to compete with Godzilla. That's right. Yeah, his handprint is gigantic in this movie. I mean, just huge. So if we were going with Peter Jackson's Kong, that Kong would be like a toddler <laughs> trying to take on Godzilla versus this Kong, which appears to be you know gigantic <laughs> 10 times bigger which could maybe actually compete with godzilla yeah that's a good point i didn't think about that um but yeah that's why the studio is doing this film it's to hit the reset button which they do so much right and <laughs> then we can almost guarantee a kong godzilla film coming which up will be good for a popcorn flick at oh least. absolutely <laughs> at the very least yes so what do you give this one um, I'm going to give this one a we'll see. Mm. I, I don't know if it looks good enough. Like, I understand why they're doing it, but yeah. Yeah, I actually gave it a take a look because I'm optimistic and I, anything that Samuel Jackson's in is usually fun. At least that's true. That That's actually accurate. And it's got Tom Hiddleston and our new Captain. Um, what's her face? Brie Larson. Captain Marvel. Brie Larson. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. So, uh, yeah. Should be good, but I want another trailer to make sure it's not just a cheese fest or something. I, I think it could go total cheese fest. So, yeah, we'll see. we'll see if that happens. But as long as it's shorter than the Peter Jackson one, we'll be good. <laughs> there you so, go. Because <laughs> somehow that movie was like four hours long. Because Peter Jackson. <laughs> that movie was bigger than Kong. Peter Jackson doesn't make cuts. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So let's move on to Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. 
You're a man. Yeah. I mean, does that look like one? You have been my greatest love. Be careful, Diana. I do not deserve you. Have you never met a man before? I mean, what about your father? I had no father. I was brought to life by Zeus. Well, that's neat. I can't let you do this. What I do is not up to you. Candy. I'm Steve Trevor's secretary. What is a secretary? I go where he tells me to go and I do what he tells me to do. Yeah, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. I really like her. Fantastic. Oh, Ladies, I'm after you. I do. I like her. Wonder Woman, which we got our first full look at, um, and sort of her background and uh, being part of this tribe and being sent out into the world and ending up in World War I. At least I thought it was World War One. Yeah, it is. Okay, cool. And they thought that there was this unusual change from the comics where everything is the same, except it was set in World War Two. And they think they changed that just because they didn't want people confusing this movie with like Captain America Origins, which started True. World War Two. So they made it a little bit different, made it World War One. Yeah, I could, I could absolutely see that why they did that. Yeah, so it's not the exact same movie, basically. <laughs> yeah, she's been this badass tromping through history. It looks good. I, I just don't know really what it's going to be about yet. Right. And I, I'm just excited. They're, they're finally putting a theme in a movie, the musical theme, because they played it a little bit in Batman versus Superman when she popped up and went like that. Like it's like yeah. her little, her little thing. Cause nobody else has a theme anymore. Think of the Batman theme from Batman versus Superman. No idea. Superman and Superman. theme. I'm pretty no sure idea. it was just, just Whoa. boating, boating tones Whoa. and then drums. <laughs> like you can't, that's not memorable at all, but she has, like that's really yeah. cool. And so they're putting that in there and that, that sounds exciting. And this, uh, she looks great. And Chris Pine is awesome. As we just talked about Star Trek beyond. So I'm glad he's in it. And yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I remember thinking it was so weird when, uh, when I was watching Batman vs Superman and they're looking at pictures of of who ends up being Wonder Woman. And I was like, is that Chris Pine next to her? Why the hell is Chris Pine in that photo? Yeah. <laughs> is that Captain <laughs> Kirk? It makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time I was like, was he just on set or something? And they said, throw a jacket on, Chris. I don't understand. <laughs> now it makes more sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm not... Going to give this one a shut up and take my money yet, but I'm real close. Mm. Like I'm really close to shut up and take my money. Definitely has a shut up and take my money for me. I Fair love the, the period piece thing. Uh, it just looks really cool. Yeah. All right. So, so now the big one. The one we've all been waiting for. The Justice League. The Justice League. There is a stranger who comes to this village from the sea. He comes in the winter when people are hungry and brings fish. He comes on the king tide. That was last night. 
Talk. I believe that an enemy is coming from far away. I'm looking for warriors. This stranger. Others like him. I'm building an alliance to defend us. It's very important that I see this man. Barry Allen. Bruce Wayne. You said that like it explains why there's a total stranger sitting in the dark in my second favorite chair. He said he'll fight with us? More or less. More, more, or more or less? Probably more or less. He said no. He said no. Look, man, I don't know who you are, but whoever you're looking for. So you're fast. That feels like an oversimplification. I'm putting together a team, people with special abilities. You see, I believe enemies are coming. Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah, I, I need friends. Great. Can I keep this? I heard about you. Didn't think you were real. I'm real and it's useful. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish. This one gets a shot up and take my money without me having to think about it. <laughs> right. I mean, I have to see it no matter what. Uh, you know, it, it, it widely centers around Batman attempting to go and recruit these people. Uh, and he has this whole speech prepared and you get to hear the whole thing with um, Aquaman yeah. in some Icelandic village. <laughs> um, here, I hear you can talk to fish. Yeah. Uh, and Aquaman <laughs> chokes him out, basically. <laughs> Um, and then him going and having the same conversation with the flash and the flash just signs on immediately. Is it, uh, oh yeah. You, you want to join already? It's like, yeah, re- re- really? Yeah. <laughs> I need friends. I need friends. Um, but the, the one thing I sort of appreciated about this trailer is that the exception of maybe one quick flash, Superman was nowhere to be seen. Well, he's supposed to be dead. Right. Supposedly. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, back, sh- but. I'm sure he's dead. Uh huh. I just hope that. I mean, obviously, this trailer was very funny and lighthearted, and that's what everyone's been clamoring for forever, and they're finally seem to be doing it. But I just hope that all those lighthearted moments are all in the trailer, and the rest of it's dour and dark and depressing. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, yeah, because they Marvel already has the corner on the kitschy fun. Let's all giggle our way through this superhero movie i think dc has an opportunity to do something different sure but they need some kind of lightheartedness right and that's why you have a character that is you know you have a com that's why comic relief exists there's the flash for you yeah but i feel like in the marvel universe everyone is the comic relief true like now black widow gets to say something kitschy and fun and then jerry mary renner gets a one-liner like god come on whereas dr strange i don't think is going to be like that I think he's going to be. I think Shereen Elijah Forrest is the comic relief from right. what I can see. The whole Wi-Fi password line. That was yeah. great. We're not savages. Is this my mantra? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that's that's true. Because I mean, also, I think Aquaman can be the funny guy, too, because funny just because of how he reacts to things. Kind of like um, Drax the Destroyer in Guardians of the Galaxy. He'll be like, right. I don't Absolutely. get your pun. You know, that kind of thing. Nothing goes over my head. I'm too fast. I would catch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is great. That's such a great line. I am not a thesaurus. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, it could be like the, the cartoons did this perfectly. Uh, Batman was really serious and really into the crime. Take this seriously, Flash. And then Flash and everybody else was kind of goofing off. And Superman was all positive and like, come on, cheer up, buddy. It'll be fine. And like they had all these different personalities and that works, you know, like they don't all like you said with Marvel. It's true. They're all kind of goofballs now, whereas DC could do this right where, yeah, ha- still have Batman be brooding and serious. But for God's sakes, make Superman a beacon of hope and happiness and light. And maybe when he comes yeah. back to life, he'll be like that. You know, who knows? Because he's definitely coming back to life. Oh, yeah. There's they, they they're not going to do it without him. I mean, they teased it with the, the rocks, you know, levitating on his grave for a bit. there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and in, in the comics, I feel like Superman has come back to life at least six times. Probably. <laughs> at least. And at least. And they've made flat um, Aquaman tough now. <laughs> He's not just a flamboyant guy in orange. (laughs) Always had super strength and that kind of like he was always kind of that way. Right. He just looks silly. So now they made him actually look tough, which is good. Yeah. Um, And the flash I like. I'm I'm really confused. I don't know what they're doing as far as like why you would build this beautiful DC universe on television and then not try to bring any of it over into film. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't get it. I don't know what their plan is. Like, especially because they introduced the multiverse in that in the TV show universe. They could have easily made them come in and out of the movie universe if they wanted to. Uh, but they didn't. But you have a character playing the Flash on TV that people love and are already behind. And then you cast someone else. Yeah. What the hell was the sense in that? You already got a guy. And he looked really weird in the Batman vs. Superman. I was not into the Flash at all. But this trailer, like, they cut his hair. He looks more like a regular kid now. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can get behind this actor a little bit more now because he was weird looking in the first movie. That and then they've pretty much figured out that the Flash is going to make a uh, appearance in Suicide Squad right at the beginning of the film. Yeah, I heard a rumor about that. Um, they have cast in order of appearance and it's like the guy who plays Boomerang and then the guy who plays Flash. As and in the trailer, there is a shot where the where Boomerang kind of gets hit by something and it's the same lightning bolt effect that we see from flash in the justice league trailer. That's pretty neat. I also think it's crazy that they're filming all these movies at the exact same time. Like are they ever stopping filming? (laughs) Like they've got catching up to do. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Marvel's got such a corner on this. They have to move hard and fast to even attempt to, to catch up and make their own thing. Now just hopefully make them good. Not too fast. They waited, they waited too long. Because they have uh, Wonder Woman being filmed and finished. Uh, Justice League is already being filmed and apparently pretty far in. Um, Suicide Squad's coming out pretty later much this summer. Yep. So, I mean, they, they just pop these things out real quick. So, yeah, it's impressive. Well, also, I feel like they've got they were able to assemble a very impressive cast overall. True. So because of that, I think they kind of have to move fast to keep all these people together. Right. And they almost had um, which would have made it even better. They almost had a. Bane, what's his name? Oh, Tom Hardy. They almost had Tom Hardy as the guy in charge of the Suicide Squad. And now instead they have the really kind of stiff guy who played Robocop. And then the Robocop reboot. Oh, yeah. Um, Because Tom Hardy had to drop out because of extended filming of The Revenant. So, uh, which finished a long time ago. I was born in the dark. You nearly adopted (laughs) me. Welcome to the Suicide Squad. Yeah. (laughs) Now, if you'll all put on your face masks, <laughs> Why are we we'll wearing start these? <laughs> the mayhem. 
You have to wear these. It's more important than that. What are you saying? We have no idea. That's why I'm speaking in this high nasally tone. I just blew up your head because you weren't listening close enough. <laughs> Thanks for your honoring, Batman. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, shut up and take my money. Yeah, shut up and take my money. Hands down. Shut up and take all of it. <laughs> oh, one other thing I forgot to mention about uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, throwback here. Uh, all right. Yeah, sorry. Throwback um, is because I thought they did a great job with the 3D. I know you didn't see it in 3D. Yeah, I could see that being a movie that would actually benefit from 3D pretty well. They did a, a really good job using it when it was suitable. Um, they did... The you know the the letterbox trick where they have the black bars at the top and bottom and then something will spill over it yes and create a three D effect whether you're watching it in three D enough or not that effect mixed in with the actual three D was super effective oh cool even little things one thing you know I think Patty had a gold necklace with her name on it mm-hmm. at one point she leaned forward and the gold necklace tipped over the black bar that's pretty cool. Right, just little things. I'm like, wow, someone really sat and thought it about that. It actually worked for it instead of having just three scenes that were 3D and that was it. Like, so, that's what most right. movies that are 3D in quotations are these days. So, yeah, sorry. But, yeah, Ghostbusters, if you go see it in 3D, I think they did a very good job of actually utilizing the 3D. Very cool. Well, uh, now we're moving on to our thank you section. We got a couple uh, responses this week, actually. People talked to us. talked to us. So on the last episode, Daniel Hitch responded, uh, another great episode, guys. Apologies for the complicated Brexit message, the one we read out last time about his Brexit response. That's right. Great. Um, And he says, haven't seen either of these movies, but very tempted to check out both. Look forward to the next retrospective. We covered, uh, what was it, Drive and Melinda Melinda last time, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, as for Pokemon Go, I don't play, but it's the greatest game ever. It kept my six-year-old entertained for two hours around our local mall, and that is nearly miraculous. <laughs> That's right. It's a great babysitter. <laughs> and we also have an MP3. Can you believe it? Wait a minute. What? We Hold on. From the Rusted Robot Podcast, Sean Vanderloo has sent us an MP3 to play. So Steve's going to hear it for the first time right now. I'm excited. Hey, Stephen Jarman, this is Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast. Just responding to your episode 62, I believe it was, where you uh, did a trailer review on Kevin Smith's Yoga Hosers. Uh, (laughs) That's right, he's Canadian. Watched the trailer, and I do have to tell you that uh, Canadians, for the most part, really don't talk like that. Sure, we say sorry, but that's usually when we're apologizing to our girlfriends or something stupid we did. And uh, I don't think we say oot niboot, but I know we say out and about. Maybe maybe you can tell the difference between that. I, I don't know. That's a, a long-running joke that uh, has been going on forever. I uh, just wanted to say that I've been really enjoying your podcast. Thanks for the shout-out. And uh, keep up the good work. I do have a message for you from the Raul Julia estate. (laughs) They are quite upset at the recent lack of apologies on your part. So I just had to relay that message. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, Live long and prosper. And we will talk to you soon. Take care. I thought that was great. (laughs) And on that note, I'd like to take this moment 
to apologize to Raul Julia. Yes. He's right. It's been too long. We're so sorry, Raul. We apologize to Raul Julia and his estate. Just we're so sorry, Raul. <laughs> it's a long. Hi, this is uh, Admiral Adama. My name is Robert J. Sawyer. This is Cena Grace. Hey, this is Stephen Amell. Hey, this is Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. And you are listening to the Rusted Robot Podcast. The number one rated robot-related podcast. Northern Ontario. You should be following them on Twitter. Keep listening. Don't forget to follow them on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. The Rusted Robot.Podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. Rusted Robot. That was a hell of a promo. Wasn't it, though? He gets so many celebrities saying things about his show, which we eventually will get that too. We're just not cool enough yet. We just need to do impressions of celebrities saying nice things about our show. There you show. go. Like Raul Julia <laughs> from the grave. <laughs> a play on nerds. Almost as good as that steak I had at Outback. Oh, yes. <laughs> I will kill you. With the kangaroo <laughs> beer. <laughs> a very special sneak preview. preview. <laughs> I don't know why it was so funny. Uh, but thanks again, Sean. We appreciate it. And thanks, Daniel, for your response as well. And also for Mike, Jarek, for always retweeting about listening to our podcast. We appreciate that. Yes. So... Thanks for joining us, Internet. We're going to be back next time with a, a whole new episode of a lot of other just nerdy stuff that no one cares about. It's going to be a good time. Absolutely. And also, we might have a, a podcast uh, after this weekend uh, involving Preacher. We're going to do a Preacher season one recap with me and Jerry Herrera. Might be doing that. So stay tuned for that. We'll a nice little podcast release for that as well. Ooh. But thanks again. As long as you guys keep listening, we'll keep being your co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash aplayonnerds. Or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at aplayonnerds. We're also streaming live game content all the time on twitch.tv slash aplayonnerds. Fun videos and stuff to check out, youtube.com slash playonnerds. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if possible because that lets us be easily searched in the iTunes search index for podcasts and that way we know if we stink exactly let us know if you hate us or you love us that's always great check us out at our website www.aplayonnerds.com where all this content can be found at the tip of your fingers and you can also always email us at anything at aplayonnerds.com and then check us out on i guess snapchat maybe <laughs> for dicks or, or tumblr <laughs> tumblrs Periscopes. Uh, you could also throw a rock at us with a message on it. Carrier pigeons. We accept cassette tapes. <laughs> I love cassette tapes. We just want to hear from you. Yes, please send us anything you like at any social media outlets. However you do it, check us out. And how? How?